0: Galatians chapter 4, if you're there, would you say amen? amen? All right, I want you to look this way if you will. When it comes to the life of the Lord Jesus, there are two mistakes, common mistakes that are made. And those two mistakes about the life of the Lord Jesus find their roots in the two great Christian holidays that are on our calendar. The first holiday that I'm speaking about is the holiday of Easter, and the second holiday is the holiday of Christmas, The problem with Easter is the fact that we all too often leave Jesus hanging on the cross during Easter. You know, each and every Easter we celebrate the fact that Jesus died, and when he died, he did did so not for his sins. He didn't have any, but he died for your sins, and he died for mine. We're told this in the writings of Peter, when Peter said this, for Christ also has suffered, once suffered, for sin, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. So Jesus is our mediator. Jesus is the one who, and the only one who can get us to God. But many times during the Easter season, we make the mistake of leaving Jesus on the cross. In fact, many people have walked in churches all over America this morning, and somewhere in the decor of that church is a cross with Jesus hanging on it. Ladies and gentlemen, I got good news. I had nothing to do with Brian picking out that song, but I'm glad I can say once again, he lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He's no longer hanging on the cross. He rose from the grave. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he gave us the promise that he's coming back again real soon. We make the mistake at Easter of leaving Jesus on the cross. But then many times when it comes to Christmas, we make the mistake of leaving Jesus in the cradle. We either leave him on the cross or we leave him in the cradle. Now, while it is true that we adore the little baby in the cradle, he was so much more than all of that. While it was certainly true that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and died on the cross outside of Jerusalem, he came to do so much more than just that. Can I tell you this of a truth? Jesus has exceeded all of my expectations. What about you? Several years ago, my wife and I have been almost married now for 38 years. When I married her, I I knew that I was getting a very sweet, a very kind, and a very beautiful young lady. But now having been married to her for all these, these years, these many years, I must tell you that I got so much more than just a sweet, kind, and beautiful young lady. I didn't realize all this, but when I married her, I got a, I got a wonderful wife. I got a, a a great mother to my children, a wonderful and fantastic ya-ya to my grandchildren. But along with that, I got a great cook, an interior decorator. Our house looks like a Christmas college, like, cottage, like a Hobby Lobby just threw up in my house. It is decorated so pretty. She is a cleaning machine, a piece of lint can't get on the floor without her going by and getting it up. She's a fashion coordinator, and she's so much more. Can I tell you this? Buddy, when I got her, she exceeded all of my expectations. So it is with the Lord Jesus. He has exceeded all of my expectations on steroids, and that's what Christmas is really all about. You know, Christmas is more than just gifts and garland. Christmas is more than just gatherings and garnishings. Christmas is more than just trees and toppings. Christmas is all about the one who came to do so much more for the whole of humanity. And believe this or not, what I'm about to read to you this morning is the entire Christmas story summed up in only one sentence. Could we cut the chase this morning? Could I for just a moment leave out the wise men and the shepherds? Could I not say anything about the angels or the anthems? Could I just for this moment, uh, morning maybe not say anything about Mary or Joseph or Herod? And this morning, can I cut the chase and sum up the Christmas story in one sentence? Now, what I'm going to read to you this morning in the space of 38 uh, 38 words is the entire Christmas story. Let me ask you now to join me in the book of Galatians chapter 4 and in verse number 4. And I'm going to read verse 4 and verse 5, but if you'll notice at the end of verse 4 there's a comma which tells me the sentence is not completed yet and it will be completed in the next sentence. So right here, 38 words, one sentence, the whole Christmas story. I'm preaching this morning on that, a one-sentence Christmas. Look, if you will, now in verse 4. The Bible said this, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Why? To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. You say, Preacher, I don't get it. What is all that? have to do with Christmas. Well, I want to invite you this morning to stay tuned as we kind of get into these verses and dissect what these verses have to say to us about the story of Christmas. So let me just say this morning, number one, because of Christmas, number one, look up on the screens, because of Christmas, we enjoy freedom. Because of Christmas, we enjoy freedom. Now, notice the very first phrase of verse number four, but when the fullness of time Had come. Now, I gotta tell you something, just to be honest with you, nobody knows the exact day that Jesus was born. There's a lot of speculation, there's a lot of conjecture about the time of the year when Jesus was born. But the one thing that we do know is the fact that Jesus was born on that day, God, on the very day that God had marked it on his calendar. You see, the phrase of the verse says, but when the fullness of time had come. In other words, when time was full at the exact Moment, God had determined to send His Son into the world Jesus was born. You see, before God ever hung the first planet or created the first world or put breath into the lungs of the first human being, God on His calendar had a a day circled in bold print with a, a red circle around it that would symbolize the birth of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, the very first Christmas promise was made to us way back in the book of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Here is the first inkling that one day there was going to be a Christmas. Look at this verse right here. God said, after the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God said, I'm going to put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And it, speaking of her seed, shall bruise the head of the serpent and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now believe it or not, right there is the first promise concerning Christmas. The one thing that we all know about God is the fact that God always keeps His promises. So when the fullness of time was come, God waited and God waited and God waited some more. But when the timing was just right, God sent forth His Son of a virgin into this world. Now I get it. There's a lot of people in our day that scoff at the notion of a virgin birth. They 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 speculate, they scoff, they ridicule the fact that a virgin could conceive and bring forth a son. Because of impracticability and because of impossibility, many, many uh, ridicule the birth of the Lord Jesus. They dismiss it as lore or legend. And while the virgin birth to us may be a scientific impossibility, it is scripturally indisputable that God sent forth his son of a Woman, a virgin woman God brought forth his son you know many who reject the virgin birth of Jesus do so on the fact of leaving out one great truth regarding the virgin birth and that's this truth right here the Bible said for with God nothing shall be impossible. Oh, I want to tell you, friend, we may think of it as an impracticality. We may think about it as an impossibility. But, buddy, when you factor God and His power into anything, that which is impossible becomes entirely possible when God is in the equation. And the reason that God sent forth His Son, according to verse number 4, was in verse 5 to redeem those that were under the law. Now, what does that mean, to redeem those that were under the law? What does that phrase mean? Well, we do know this, that all of us are under the law. That's right. You see, just as there are are some physical laws that we are all under. For instance, the law of gravity. Everybody in this room is under the law of gravity. I know, I don't know, I think that's about 20 feet high. I don't know, I think it's about 20 feet high to the Silitex up there, maybe a little little farther. I promise you, there is nobody in this room that could stand on this floor flat-footed or even bend their knees, get on their their, uh, tippy-toes that could jump as high and touch that ceiling. Not a one of us. Now, there's some that can jump higher than others. I can probably get, I don't know, maybe a half an inch off the floor now. There are many of you, maybe some of you younger guys that could jump, uh, you can slam a basketball, slam dunk a basketball. You can go up, uh, maybe get your elbow above the rim, maybe 10 feet high or higher. You can do all of that. But I promise you this, you can't jump up and touch that ceiling. You know why? Because of something called the law of gravity. You see, the law of gravity says this, that which goes up must come down. Now, how many of you will agree with me that you're under the law of gravity? I am. I make that statement. There's no way I could jump up and touch those lights or jump up and touch that ceiling. What goes up must come down. We're under the law of gravity. Well, in like manner, just as we are under the law of gravity, guess what? We are under the law of God. We're not only under physical laws like the law of gravity, we're under moral laws, the spiritual laws, the laws of God. And therein is the problem. The problem is that no one has ever fully, completely, and compliantly obeyed the law of God, not a one of us. By the way, there's no one in this room this morning who has ever completely and compliantly obeyed the laws of man. There's not a person in this room this morning that hadn't rolled through a stop time or two in their lives. Can I have an amen? There's not a person in this room that hasn't broken the speed limit like I did coming down the road this morning. Not a one of us. We have all broken the laws of man. By the way, I can't even keep my own personal laws. Every, uh, I can't even keep, I, every year I, I make New Year's resolutions. And guess what? Those are laws. I, I say, okay, I'm going to live under this law now for this coming year. I'm going to do better. I, I'm going to make this a, a better habit, a better year. And I can't even live under my own laws that I make for myself and neither can you. Let me ask you something. Think back to last year, those New Year's resolutions that you made. Have you kept them? Well, of course not. Man, we keep them for a day or two. If we do good, maybe a week. If we do great, maybe a month. But guess what? We break our own laws. About the only New Year's resolution I never broke is the one that I made that I was never going to make any more New Year's resolutions. I haven't broken that one yet. We can't even live under our own laws, under man's laws, under physical. We, we, and, and truly, ladies and gentlemen, we're all in trouble when it comes to the law of God. Every last one of us in this room have broken, we have violated the law of God. Every one of us. You go back just to those Ten Commandments, and you just think about those Ten Commandments. Oh, you say, Preacher, I've never murdered. Good. Put her there. You say, preacher, I've never, I, I've never, uh, I've never had another God, another image set up in my life. But wait a minute, have you coveted? Hey, have you taken something that didn't belong to you? Have you ever had an evil thought? Did you ever break the Lord's day? Have you ever cursed before? Ah, oh, friend, we're. And by the way, James reminds us that if we've broken one law, we're guilty of breaking all the laws. I want to say this, friend, we're in trouble—big trouble. Big trouble. We're in debt to the law of God. We have broken the law of God. And by the way, what we call breaking the law of God, God calls sin. And every last one of us are sinners. Let me tell you something about God's law. When it comes to God's laws, there are no misdemeanors, only felons. And every last one of us are a felon in the sight of God. We haven't just done little things, we've done big things. And I'll tell you something, friend, we are in trouble when it comes to the law of God. What's the old saying? Do the crime, pay the time. We are in trouble. Our sin, our breaking of the law of God puts us in debt to the God of this universe. We owe God perfection because God is perfection. God is perfect. The only trouble is not a one of us in this room are perfect. And we're in spiritual debt, not just up to our eyeballs. We are in over our heads. But good news, that's why God sent his son into the world. We are told that Jesus came to redeem us. Now that word redeem, that's an interesting word, but it simply means this. Jesus came to pay our debt. Amen and amen. Hey, he just didn't pay it in part. Jesus didn't come, just didn't come at Christmas to bail us out. He didn't even come just to make a down payment. He came at Christmas to pay the debt off and to set us free from the mortgage of sin. That's what, that's what Christmas is all about. My wife and I have never been mortgage free. In all those 38 years that we've lived, when we first started, we've either had to rent, we rented a home, rented a trailer, whatever. Then we finally bought a house. We have never, ever been mortgage free. Now, if I live a few more weeks or months, guess what? I'm going to have a note burning. if, If the Lord will allow me to, if I don't have a major sickness or some catastrophe doesn't hit me, I'm going to have my home completely paid off. Ever since we've been married, we've had a house payment. Ever since we've been married, I've been up to my eyeballs in debt. Every year, I've been living under the bondage of a mortgage payment. Every year, I've got to think about it, I've got to set this money aside, or they're going to come and kick me out of this house. I've been living under the bondage of that mortgage, but in, maybe in a little while, I'm going to be able to pay that off. But, ladies and gentlemen, I got news. I got good news. If I never live to get that one paid off, some catastrophe may come. But as far as the mortgage of my sin, thank God Jesus, the Son of God, came into this world and he died on the cross, ladies and gentlemen, to pay the mortgage of our sin and release us from the bondage of the mortgage of sin. Amen and amen. Christmas, because of Christmas, we enjoy freedom. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? You may be sitting here today, and you may be in some type of a bondage in your life an addiction, and a, a bondage in your life. Maybe you're in bondage to, to drugs. Maybe you're kind of in the mess that you're in today because you've got to to quench that habit and you've gone out and you've done this and you've done that. Or maybe you're here and you're in bondage to alcohol and that alcohol has just wrapped its cord around your life. Maybe you're an addiction to pornography or to gambling or some other kind of terrible sin. But i got some good news for you this morning. Because of that little baby born in that stable in Bethlehem, God can smash the, the cords and the chains of your addiction. God. Jesus came to set the captive free. It's not God's will for you to live like that. It's God's will for you to live in freedom and in liberty. And Jesus came in order to set us free from the mortgage of our sin. Oh, yeah, because of Christmas, we enjoy freedom. Look at me. Isn't the devil, isn't he? And I hate to give him his kudos, but can I just say, isn't it amazing how he convinces us? that we're having a great time in life when we're really in bondage to our sin. Isn't it just amazing how he paints the picture of, man, here's the kind of life, alcohol, drugs, immorality, one relationship, one dirty motel to the next dirty motel, one party to the next party. And then he taps us on the shoulder and says, man, you're living. When in reality, no, we're not. We're dying And if we die without Jesus, we're going to wake up in an eternity, a Christless eternity. But because of Christmas, we can enjoy freedom. We can live. Jesus said this. Here's a great Christmas verse. John 10, verse 10. I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's a great Christmas verse. Yes, sir. Because of Christmas, we enjoy freedom. The mortgage of our sin has been paid. But number two, because of Christmas, we not only enjoy freedom, but because of Christmas, guess what? We enter family. We enter the family of God. We not just enjoy freedom, but you and I can enter the family of God. I'm talking about the family of God. You see, we further read these words. Look down there in verse number 5. It says, to redeem them that were under the law. Who's that? That's you and me. And then it goes on to say this, that we might what? Receive the, what's the next word? The adoption of sons. You see, Jesus, God sent Jesus into this world not just to redeem us, to pay off our mortgage of sin, to release us from the mortgage of sin. God sent Jesus into this world in order that, guess what? Not only can our sin be paid for, but we can become a child of God. In other words, because of Christmas, I get to enter the family of God. You see, scripturally, we are not only born into God's family when we receive Jesus. Listen to me now. We not only get born again and born into God's family when we receive Jesus, but when we receive Jesus, we are also adopted into God's family. In other words, God says this, I'm not going to only pay off your debt. I'm going to make you my child and I'm going to carry you to my heaven some of these days, and you are going to live with me. Can I say it like this? You know, one of the things that we all think about Christmas, I don't know, they wrote songs about I'll be home for a Christmas. It's Something about home and Christmas that just goes together. I'm told that the white Christmas, I, 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 I hope Bing Crosby was saved. I read last night, I was reading about him. My wife and I have been watching some of those old, like Andy William, Christmas specials. And, and uh, so last night we watched uh, Bing Crosby from the night, early 1970s Christmas special. And, and uh, I hope he was saved. I read last night that he was a Catholic, a very devout Catholic. And I'll, I'll just have to leave that where it is. But one of my favorite Christmas songs is I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. It really became popular back during the days of World War II. And they sang that song to those soldiers that were on foreign soils not knowing if they were going to be alive the next day. And they got to thinking about home. And one of the many things that that song expresses is a dream or a hope to be back home to a white Christmas. I love that song. By the way, did you know about that song? Here's an interesting fact about that song. But in 1975, when America finally pulled out of Vietnam, though it was a July day and it was 106 degrees in downtown uh, uh, in 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 uh, Vietnam, uh, that day it was 106 degrees. They played that song over the loudspeakers in uh, in uh, in in down in, in the capital city of uh, of Vietnam. And when the when the American soldiers heard that song, "I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas," in July, 106 degrees, they knew get to the embassy. It was time to evacuate. It's amazing, isn't it. Aren't you glad you come to church find out that interesting fact about that song? There's something about Christmas and something about home. So God says this, I'm going to send my son into the world and I'm going to let him pay off the mortgage of sin, but I'm not going to stop there because I want to take you home for Christmas. I want to take you to live in my presence forever and ever. And God says this. This is amazing to me, and really that adoption part, but really God says this. I'm going to bring you home for Christmas, but until you come home for Christmas, I'm going to come home to live in you. Look at that verse number 6. says this, because you're sons. God has sent forth the Spirit, capital S, of His Son into your heart. Guess what? God, if you're saved, lives on the inside of you. And we've been adopted into the family of God. We have some people in our church who have adopted children. You know, adoption is different from birth. You know, in our day, we hear much about unplanned and unwanted pregnancies in our day. But have you ever thought about this? There's no such thing as an unplanned or unwanted adoption. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, when my mom and daddy, when I came along, they just had to get what they got. And it wasn't a whole lot. Can I tell you this? December... Uh, When I was born back that December, they just had to take it. I mean, this is what happened. Here here it is. Here's the result of all that. And it wasn't a whole lot. But you know something? When you get adopted, there's no such thing as an unplanned or unwanted. Adoption is intentional. I've never heard anybody come to church and say, Preacher, we didn't plan on this. We didn't even want it. We just adopted this baby. You don't hear stuff like that. Every adoption is planned and it is intentional. So because of Christmas, God not only says, I'm going to pay off your sin, your mortgage to sin, I'm going to make you my child and carry you home with me. And until I do that, I'm going to come and be at home in you. Man, I get to enter the family. And I think they're telling me back there in the back, hurry up, preacher, because they did not put the third point up. Because... Because of Christmas, we not only enjoy freedom, we not only enter family, but because of Christmas, guess what? We experience favor. i got to read this verse to you. Look here in our text, our text this morning, and look what it says here. The Bible said, because you are sons, verse 6, God has sent forth the spirit of of his son into your hearts crying, Abba? Father, that phrase Abba is the most intimate term for God. In other words, what, what, what we're being told here is because of Christmas, we enter the family, we enter the same kind of relationship with God that His Son has with Him. And we can call, we can call God Abba, intimate, really, don't be mad at me, Daddy, Daddy. I, can you believe that? I have the same kind of relationship with God that Jesus has. I can have the same kind of intimacy. I can talk to him in the same kind of way that Jesus talks to him. You know why? Because of Christmas. I have entered the family. And because of Christmas, I experience favor. Well, the Bible said there in verse number 7, look at this, wherefore thou art no more a servant, a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now, we all know how this works. A slave gets nothing. A son gets everything. I mean, we know how it works in the wheel thing. We, my wife and I have just went... We kind of got a little bit afraid, and I'm I'm getting old now and cantankerous, and taking geritol and all that stuff now. So we decided we was gonna go make out a will. So we went and sat down with the lawyer, and and we said, uh, uh, here's what we want to get done. So we made this will out. Now we got to go back and sign that and all that stuff because you know when things are over, when life is over, we don't want there to be any complications. So we just made it all out, man. We're, I, I'm gonna tell my kids when we get it back. I ain't even gonna show it to them. I ain't gonna show. It. I might show it to them. I'm afraid if I show it to them, they'll bump me off. <laughs> but we made that will. And can I tell you something? Anybody outside the family, don't be mad at me. They don't get anything. Anybody inside the family, they get it all. A slave, a servant gets nothing. A son gets everything. A child gets everything. So in, re- in reality, because of Christmas, here's what God is saying. Look up on the screens and we're done. Because of Christmas, number one, you're no- you no longer owe the mortgage of your sin debt. It's been paid in full. Because of Christmas, number two, God says this. Because of Christmas, I want to take you home. And until I take you home, I'm going to come and live in your home with you. And then, number three, because of Christmas, you get the house. You see, because I am saved and I've received God's Son into my heart, I'm going to get everything that's coming to Jesus. That's what verse 7 says when it means, when it says this I am an heir of God through Christ. In other words, everything that's coming to Jesus. I get to partake of. Amazing. Everything that he owns, I own. One of these days, I'm going to own Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I'm going to fire the mayor first thing. I'm going to own the city. I'm going to own Washington some of these days. I am going to fire some people when I take ownership. Amen. I'm going to own it all. You know why? Because I'm an heir of God through his son. So watch this. Not only has my mortgage been paid off, not only do one day I get to go home, but God said, I'm going to give you the home. It's yours because of Jesus. I heard the story years ago about this this wealthy man. It's been years ago. Wealthy man, Englishman. And his wife died early on, and they only had one son. And, uh, and his wife died. And, he, and he, when his wife died, that son became the center of his life. Oh, he loved that son so very much. And he shed all of his affection, all of his time upon that boy. I mean, in our terminology, we'd say, you know, he was the peanut butter and jelly on the sandwich. He was the, he was the, he was the apple of that daddy's eye, and his daddy just put everything about his life into that son only for that son to become a teenager and do like so many, a young adult, and just just turn his back, rebel against his dad, break his daddy's heart. Well, there was a, a, a great divide between that son and his dad, and his dad grew old, and the boy never come around, never had anything to do with him. So dad took very seriously sick, and he decided, you know, my boy don't care anything about me. But I've had this faithful servant in my house for all these years. His his name, a faithful servant, was named Marcellus. And he said, I'm not going to leave everything I've got to a son that don't care anything about me when Marcellus has been faithful to me all through these years. I'm going to leave everything I've got to Marcellus. So he had the lawyers come in, draw up the papers... But in the, in the statement of that will, he gave to his son because he loved him. He said, I'm going to allow my son to choose one thing out of all of my estate that he can have. Only one, he can choose one thing, but everything else goes to Marcellus. Well, he died. They called that boy in for the reading of the will, and there sat Marcellus. And he said, okay, the lawyer said, okay, the, we, we read the will. Here's what it says. Now, son... Because you never had anything to do with your dad, your dad left everything he had to Marcellus. But you can choose one thing out of anything that your daddy has. You can choose one thing for your own, but that's all you get, one thing. He said, one thing? Yes. One thing only? Yes. He said, I'll take Marcellus. And when he took Marcellus, he got everything the father had. And ladies and gentlemen, when you and I take Jesus... When we receive Jesus, we get everything that God has and we can experience the favor of God. Watch this now. Because of Christmas, because of Christmas, I enjoy freedom. Because of Christmas, I experience favor. Because of Christmas, I get to be a part of the family. You know, really... And and not everybody in here dots their I's and crosses their T's the same, and I get all that. But really, when we come together, we're not a bunch of strangers coming into a building. Guess what? We're family. You say, well, I don't even like you, preacher. I don't even care. You're my sister and you're my brother. And if God lets us live side by side in heaven, I'm going to let my yard grow up just to get on your nerves. Because of Christmas. Aren't you glad that God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, not of a man, made of a woman, virgin birth, to redeem them that were under the law. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father.